church one more time. Can you make some noise for Jesus in here this morning? Oh, come on, come on. You can do better than that. Can you make some noise for Jesus? Listen, he is the reason why we're here. He's the reason why we do what we do. All of this is for him, by him, and through him. And every single Sunday, our goal is to make a big deal about Jesus. It's not about a name. It's not about a personality. But it's about the name of Jesus. And every week, as a church community, that's what we aim to do is to make a big deal about him. Well, listen, if you're new here, again, we're so excited that you're here today, and I thank you for coming to hang with us. I want to let all of us know, I just kind of want to piggyback off of what Ethan said earlier, that we have Belong Group uh, host uh, interest meeting happening today uh, following our 1030 service, and we'll have some refreshments available and child care available uh, as well. And so if you have interest in what does it look like to host a group, we want to encourage you to uh, stop by today and I don't know what 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 are some of the things that you enjoy that could be uh, your group and so it's gonna be a great time in this summer season that's kicking off on June 4th and then also Mother's Day is coming up May 14th May 14th so if you needed a reminder consider that your reminder don't forget it put it in your phone fellas right now mother's day is happening here at the becoming church and we want to encourage you invite mom to church invite mom to come with you and say mom uh, i'm gonna have an amazing gift for you and i'm gonna treat you to a great meal so you can take mom out but bring mom to church with you on that sunday it's gonna be a great day uh katie and i we're gonna uh be sitting up here and having a conversation i'm looking forward uh to that but hey i'm excited to jump into the word what about you guys a couple of y'all three of y'all Listen, at the Become a Church, uh, we speak in what we call uh, collection. So basically, we take a thought, and then we kind of just build with it for a number of weeks. And so this is actually the third week in this collection uh, called The Way. And the big idea of this collection uh, called The Way is that we're trying to answer this question. What does it mean? What does it mean to say I'm a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? If you ever heard that phrase, like, I'm a follower of Jesus, I follow Jesus, Well, what does that mean? Is that simply church attendance? Is it because I give? Is it because I serve? Is it because, you know, you know, grandma went to church? And so because grandma went to church, that means I'm a Christian. Like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And just, I don't have time to sum it up, but you can go on YouTube and search to become a church and be able to track with the previous weeks. But basically, we said this, that we can't believe uh, the truth about Christianity. We have to, we can't only believe the truth about Christianity. We have to believe that Jesus is the way, right? So many people believe the truth of the Bible, the truth of Christianity, but not so much that Jesus is the way. And so we want to do things our way and dismiss the way that Jesus is saying. So cool, I'll connect with that. Jesus is the truth and life, but I don't know about him being the way. But our theme verse has been John 14, 6, that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we don't just believe the truth about the Bible, the truth about Christianity, but we believe that Jesus is the way. And so we've been looking at that over the past two weeks. And so this is our third week, and to help lead us off in our conversation today, we're going to be coming from Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. And so uh, you can flip with me there, scroll with me there, or join me here on the screen. But in whichever way you connect, I'm going to invite us all to stand to honor the word of God as we begin to read it this morning. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. Verse 46 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? 
As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Verse 49, but when the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built the house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful and thankful for these moments, for this moment that we share. God, we, we need you. If we never realized that before, God, I pray in this moment, we realize that we need you. And so, Lord, this, this, these next few moments are not about opinions. It's not about, a, you know, some TED talk or, God, just brilliant orator. But it's about receiving the transformative power of your word. God, so whatever distractions exist, whatever hindrances there are, whatever thoughts about yesterday or to tomorrow, settle us in this moment. Because I believe, God, that you want to impart something to us today, that you want to bring something from you to us. And so, Lord, open up our eyes because we want to see what you see. Open up our ears because we want to hear what you're saying. And, Lord, as your servants in this place, this is what we say. Speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. 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 You may be seated. And by the way, uh, you can track along uh, with us today uh, by downloading the Becoming Church app, uh, either in the uh, Apple uh, Store or Google Play. Uh, just simply search the Becoming Church, and it's available uh, there. And once you download it, you can hit Connect uh, down at the bottom. And then once you hit that page at the very top, uh, you'll see the way uh, where you can track with us today. But church... Um, our boys are at that age where they are enjoying sports, and I love it. It's great because I feel like we have two boys. I feel like when they're younger that they're more like mom's kid than dad's. You know what I mean? They just have to go to mom for everything, at least ours do. And so now they're, they're choosing me more. They want to ride with me sometimes. They don't always want to ride. I promise you I don't feel some type of way about this. Well, they've gotten into sports lately, and in fact, uh, this past basketball season, they played basketball for the first time. I love basketball, played basketball, but I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to push it on them. When they say they're ready, we'll, we'll get them in. And so they were ready. Uh, at least one of them was really ready. Our oldest, Isaiah, he was all in. He was like, let's go. It's time for practice. Let's get to practice because I can't miss practice. Coach said, don't be late to practice. And they were not on the same team. So that meant I was at the gym like four nights a week, and sometimes I feel like, buddy, we can miss this practice. And I know, I know that's bad, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. I know it, I know it. I never miss practice. I get it. And he's like, Dad, we can't miss practice because Coach says don't miss practice. I'm like, come on, son, you're right. Now, our second son, miss practice? Okay, bet, bet. That's cool with me. That's cool with me. But eventually he warmed up with it. But I love it. I love it, especially basketball. That's my sport. But they also have started in, in taking an interest in football because, of course, in, in August, September, uh, when 
college's greatest team, college football standard, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide began to play. Um, am I dividing the room? I shouldn't. I shouldn't because only truth will be spoken here. <laughs> They, they got excited about watching Alabama football. And then my dad recently was at the house, and he showed them that on Hulu, you can go watch these replays. Now, it's great because the kids is no longer Paw Patrol, but they want to watch sports. They want to watch football. The only problem with these replays, if I have to watch the 2018 championship game one more time, I'm not going to make it. So instead, I'm like, guys, let's go outside and let's practice. Let's practice catching the football. Let's practice running some routes. Let's practice, you know, playing defense. Get your head around so they don't throw a penalty on you because you didn't see the ball. Like, let's, let's practice. And then Titus, our second son, came home recently, and it was a flyer for flag football. So we're going to sign him up, um, for the, both of them, for the first time playing. And so I'm like, guys, we have to continue to practice so you know what to do when you get out on the field. Here's a question I have for us this morning. What if this idea of practice extended to our life with Christ? What if this idea of practice we put into play when it came to follow Jesus? You may ask, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm getting at. Throughout Scripture, when you look at the life of Jesus, he modeled out what are known as practices. So the practice of prayer, uh, the practice of fasting, um, the practice of, of silence and solitude. Like how often would you see Jesus, he's gone away to pray. Disciples are looking for him and he's off praying. And oftentimes the miracles that happen that follow Jesus first happen from a place of prayer. So he's teaching us something in that. But then he also would be away in silence of solitude because there was so much noise around him, so much going on that he needed to just go off and sit in silence and practice the presence of God. And then there was Sabbath, the practice of Sabbath. So what if we took the idea of practice and extended it to our walk with Jesus? You may have gathered this today and also in the words, infamous words of NBA great superstar Allen Iverson. This morning we are talking about practice. There we go. We're talking about practice because the truth is. We don't master our faith, but we practice it. And these are ways that Jesus gives us to practice. So uh, we, broke, we began by talking about the way of Jesus. Last week, we talked about a practice of surrender, the way of surrender. This morning, we're going to be talking about this, the way of faith, the way of faith. So this idea of faith, no matter if you are new in your journey with Jesus or you haven't began a journey with Jesus, or you've been walking with him for a long time, you've heard of faith. But have you ever asked the question, what is faith? Like, like what, what, what exactly is faith? Is faith saying, this is what I want to happen, but to see what I want to happen, I'm just going to wish that it happens? That I'm not going to do anything to see it happen, I'm just going to wish that it happens, is that faith? Is faith the license to not be responsible and to make wise decisions. It's faith that says, hey, you know, I've got faith that this is the year that I'm going to shed those pounds that I picked up. And then somebody says, so what are you going to do about it? Oh, no, no, I got faith. 
So is faith like a trainer at the gym? No, 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 no. I have faith, right? So, so what is faith? What do we do with it? Well, as everything, we, we should go uh, to the Bible to see what it says. Because listen, although the Bible was a book that was written in antiquity, it speaks with specificity to our lives today. So there's no area of our lives that the Bible does not speak to in the principles contained within it. So what does the Bible say about faith? The Bible says this in Hebrews 11.1, 1, that now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So faith is confidence that says, listen, this is what I'm hoping for. This is what I'm believing for. Now, nothing around me reflects that what I'm believing and hoping for is actually going to happen. But faith says, I have this confidence, I have this assurance that I will see what I don't see. I like Hebrews 11.1 1 because it's known as the Hall of Faith. And it contains brief stories. It summarizes the stories and events of men and women that God used to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. And so what happens is we get to look at their life, look at their experiences, look at how God stepped in the middle of their story and see what he did in their life and get this revelation that if he did it in their life, hear me this morning, family, that he can do it in ours. So there's nothing too hard, nothing too difficult for him. Because here's the thing about faith. Faith in God should should be based on his track record. So we can go back and see Look how he healed then. Look how he set free then. Look how he made a way then. Look what he did then. Look what he's doing today. And look what he's going to do tomorrow. Not based on an imagination, but it's based on a track record that he is faithful. Faithfulness is part of the essence of God. It's not a part of him that he puts on. Faith is just who he is. So faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see and the way I feel that enhances living a life of faith is to look at the track record of God. Don't look at my track record. Don't look at your friend's track record. Don't look at your brother's track record because you're going to see some moments where where they failed you. But when you look at the track record of God, even if he did not come when you wanted him, you realize that he always came right on time. Does anybody believe that this morning? you got to trust the track record of God and know that faith is the confidence that God will not lie. So we can plainly put it that way. That faith is the confidence that God will not lie. I've got faith that God's not going to lie. Why? Because he is a man of his word. The the scriptures tell us that he is faithful to his word. That when he sends it out, it accomplishes every single thing that it was sent to do. Now, some of us, we lose hope because, well, the word is sent out, but God didn't give us the time stamp on it. And so because it took a while, we think he didn't hear it. Because it took a while, we think he didn't answer. And he says, no, my word is out. But what you've got to do is develop the faith, the trust, and the confidence that he will not lie. That's who he is. And when you get that revelation, it reinforces the confidence that he will not lie. Because, again, his record indicates that he's trustworthy to what he said. But here's what I discovered, that many of us don't live a life of faith because we don't live a life of trusting God. 
We want all the details. We want to be able to calculate it right away before we step out. So God gives a call. God places a dream in our heart, and we say, okay, God, give me the details, and then I'll go. Give me the direction, and then I'll go. And God says it doesn't work that way. You can't calculate all these things. So you have to put your formulas away. you got to put your calculator away. you got to put all the securities and the feel-goods that you need and live a life of trusting God. Because here's the thing about faith. Faith says, I don't have to see it to believe it. I believe it before I see it. I believe it's living a life of vision. You know, we say this around here. We don't want you to catch a vibe. We want you to catch a vision. So if you come in here and you've been here for a few weeks and you're like, yo, man, I like the vibe in there. Lose the vibe. I want you to get a vision for your life. I want you to get a vision for your marriage. I want you to get a vision for your relationships, a vision for your career. It's not about a vibe. It's about a vision. You say, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Faith says, I believe it before I see it. Right now, I'm looking out and I see what I see. But I close my eyes and I see vision of what I see this community look like. I see vision of the different projects we're doing across the city. I see vision of how we're standing alongside widows. I see vision of how we're standing alongside the marginalized. I see vision of what God is doing through the Becoming Church because a group of people connected to faith and said, God, I trust you. Now, when I open my eyes, I see a school cafeteria, but when I close them, I see how God has expanded this. We've gotten outside of the walls because we're seeing and we're living from a place of vision. So what is it that you see when you close your eyes? Now begin to trust God for what he's placed on your heart. Are you tracking with me this morning? So as we navigate the way of faith, I want us to make observations on what it looks like to practice the way of faith. Because remember, in our text this morning, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you do not do what I say. In other words, we need to put in practice what he's teaching. And so we need to be people who practice the way of faith. And here's the first observation that we're going to make this morning is this. Faith does not mean comfort. Faith does not mean comfort. Listen, a lot of us, we want to live a life of faith. And we say, man, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. We want to live a life of faith. But sometimes what we really mean when we say that, when we say these things, is that we want an easy path towards the life that God has called us to. So cool, we just did this practice and we closed our eyes and we saw vision and internally we said, God, make it easy. Would you just open up every door that I just need to be open? God, if you didn't open that door, I ain't going to step in it. But we got to be careful because sometimes open door is a trap, right? So it's not about the open door, but it's about the door that's calling us to. And sometimes the door that we're supposed to walk into is the door that's closed. And it's faith and trust in God that begins to open that door. So faith does not mean comfort. Because listen, family, we want the miraculous to happen in our lives, but we don't want the discomfort that comes along with it. We want the story of Jeff Bezos, and we started in the garage, and God brought it from here, and he took it to there. Right? We, we see that, or excuse me, I should say we see that, and we celebrate that, and it's a big deal, and it's awesome, and it's cool to hear. But we, we're like, God, can we skip the garage, though? Because <laughs> in the summer, it's hot, and the winter, is cold, right? But listen, family, the miraculous doesn't occur in a place of comfort. 
it happens outside of it. We say, God, I want this, but just don't mess with my comfort. But miracles happen outside the safety of comfort. Think about the basis for a miracle. It's because there's some resistance or some wall that you're facing. And so you need God to intervene on your behalf to get you through the resistance that you're facing. So if there's no resistance, then is it a miracle? So that means when the miraculous occur, it's from a place of discomfort. If there's someone who needs, if you need healing in your life or a friend or family member, that sickness is not comfort. It's discomfort. So that means that miracles happen outside the safety of comfort. So sometimes we pray these prayers, but God, we want to see you move. We want to see the miraculous occur. He's like, are you ready to get uncomfortable? Are you, are you okay with the lack of comfort that will exist because of what you just prayed for? And then when it happens, we say, I didn't know it was like that. I was meaning, you know, a little bit like this. But miracles happen outside the safety of comfort. A great story that illustrates this is Matthew 14. Uh, where we see uh, Jesus and the disciples, they finish up a time of ministry, and Jesus sends them on away, and they hop in a boat, and they go on, and Jesus is doing his thing, and then the way for him to catch up to the disciples, he decides uh, to walk on water. And now Peter and the rest of the disciples, they see Jesus, and they start losing it, because they're, like, they're thinking it's a ghost. And Jesus, I, feel, <laughs> I, I, I read the Bible where it just comes alive. I feel, he's like, I keep, how many things I got to do? Guys, it's not a ghost. It's, it's me. I mean, you've seen the two fish, the five loaves of bread. You still, I mean, come on. You know how I get that. This is how I read the Bible. So the Bible's not boring. You just got to read it and let the pages jump off at you. But anyway, he's like, it's not a ghost. It's me. Just chill out. Relax. And so Peter, if you're familiar with Peter and kind of his temperament, he always has something to say. And sometimes it's, it's, it's just not at the right time. Sometimes he means well, but it's, it's it, ah, Peter, nah, not, not right now, right? So he says, well, then if it's you, then call me out there. Call, call us out there. And so Jesus says, come. And so Peter, he steps out of the boat, and he's walking towards Jesus. Now, notice I said Peter is walking towards Jesus because oftentimes it's portrayed that Peter, he, he sank. That all the oftentimes everything that you hear about Peter is how he sank. But no, he walked on water. Peter only sank when he took his eyes off of Jesus. This is not the point that I want to make, but here's a quick thing to pay attention to. What are you staring at? Like, like what has your attention? Like God has told you to do this. You need to stare at him. You need to see him. Who cares what's happening to the left or the right? That's not where he's called you. He's called you to fix your eyes on him. So Peter, he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And then that passage, it says that when he saw the wind, that's when he started freaking out. Now, I get it. We're in the Rocket City. There's a lot of smart people here, highest per capita of, of PhDs and all that, so which I am not one. And so I get it. There's a great chance, a really good chance that you're smarter than me. So help me if I'm missing this. How do you see wind? Like you can see the effects of it. In fact, near our subdivision right now, there are some trees that are still down from the wind that came through. 
But how do you see it? You can see the effects. You can see what it causes. You can even hear it. But how do you see it? Listen, Peter allowed something to sink him that was an imagined danger. So what is it that you are imagining in your mind that you are allowing to stop you from responding to the call of God? Lord, I want to step out in this, but what would they say? God, I want to step out in this, but how would that look? God, I want to do this, but the optics don't look right. I want to respond in this way, but I just don't think that that's going to go over well on social media. And so instead of responding to the call of God, we allow these imagined dangers to sink us. But listen, family, don't look to the elements. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. So in that moment, Peter had been walking on water, and then he sinks But here's what I love about this story is that when Jesus said, come, he didn't say, Peter, come. He only said, come. So that meant the invitation to step outside of the place of comfort was available to all. So where oftentimes we we get on Peter for his lack of faith, Peter was the only one who actually had faith in that moment to step outside of the boat and said, if Jesus is over there, if he's calling me to it, then I'm going to step to that thing. Here's what I'm asking. Are there any people who are like Peter and are ready to step outside of the boat? If you've been in a place of comfort too long, God is saying stepped out. You waited too long. You made enough excuses. You thought of enough reasons why not. This is your moment to step outside the place of comfort because hear me, miracles do not happen in the safety of comfort. If you want to be a part of the miraculous, if you want to live a life of faith, it's going to require you to dismiss your comfort and say yes to calling. There is none of us in here have a call of comfort. That does not come with the calling. So if you feel like, yo, I'm walking in my calling, I've stepped in the calling and it's comfort, that's not it. I'm not saying that it's not going to be great. Yes, of course, but there are going to be moments, there are going to be trials, there are going to be things that you're going to have to trust God. There are going to be moments where you're going to say, God, if you are God, then I need you to be God in this moment because I don't see a way out. I don't know a way out. I don't know how to push this thing through, but I know that you called me here. I know that you brought me here, and I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the headlines say. I'm trusting you because I'm only here because you called me. Do I have anybody who's wanting to connect to some faith in this, mor- this morning? Come on, is this tra- are you awake? Are you here? Are you ready to connect to the faithfulness of God and how he wants to use you? Oftentimes we pray for somebody else to be the answer. But I'm looking and scanning this room. These are people in this room who are the answer. There's some need around you. There's something around you that God needs some people who, to level up with some faith and be the answer to that problem. I'm telling you this morning, you're the answer to the problem. But here's the thing. You're going to have to live a life of faith. You're going to have to step outside of comfort, even if it means it comes with the crowd. So who do you think you are now? You've been going to that new church. You've been going to that one church. Becoming. Uh, you got to ignore that. You got to dismiss that. Because here's what purpose is. We, we've, we've mentioned it the last couple of weeks. Purpose is God saying there's a need in the earth, and I want to use people to solve it. 
So do you want to connect to purpose? And if the answer is yes, guess what it's going to require? Faith. And guess what that's going to come with? Discomfort. But here's the thing. Now, I can go on to Moses, but I'm going to keep moving because Moses is the same way. God's like, yo, lead him out. And he's like, I guess I am going to Moses now. And, <laughs> and he's like, he's like um, so that's cool. But, you know, I got the speech problem. I got all these issues. I, I got that. God's like, I got that. Okay, well, you know, these people, they're going to need to know, like, who sent, who, who's sending me? Like, who, what, what name? And then God says, I am. And I, I just see Moses. He's, I am. What's your last name, bro? Let me get that. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. I am. No, but you understand, I just need it. I am. And what God was trying to get Moses to understand was that you don't even know what you're going to need, but I am. You're going to get to a moment that seems insurmountable, but God says, I am. You're going to face some trials and some testing moments, but God says, I am. You don't know how you're going to get to the other side, but God says, I am. Here's the word. You don't need to worry about anything. God is going to provide exactly what you need by simply saying, I am. So you can put your faith, your trust, your confidence in the I am of who God is. Do you hear me this morning? Because we got to get back to taking risks. These last three years have made us be people who go in the house and shut the door and don't live a life of faith. God is saying it's time to get out of the house. It's time to live a life of taking risks and seeing amazing things done. We have to be people who say, not on my watch. I'm not looking for anyone else to do it. That God has raised us up. He's raised me up. He's raised us up to be an answer right here in our community. So don't stop taking risks and don't worry about trying to calculate the outcome because God says outcome is not your problem. Obedience is. You obey and I'll take care of the outcome. So don't worry about because you can't calculate the outcome. God says that is no concern of yours. And you got to know that, listen, God's going to provide what the moment requires. Oftentimes we want to know what the moment will require and what we need before we step out. God's just going to put you in the moment, and then he's going to drop right what you need in the moment. makes me think of Elijah, where God says there's a drought in the land, and then all of a sudden ravens are feeding Elijah. Now, I don't know what you know about ravens, but ravens are not known as the smartest birds, but they kept coming back to Elijah to feed him and provide him exactly what he needed. And I think that the Bible tells us ravens that God used ravens for a reason. Because perhaps if it was doves, we'd have been like, okay, yeah, that's a dove. That makes sense, you know. But a raven? Nah. That was God illustrating that I will provide for you exactly what the moment requires. And here's, here's what I see. Here's what I see. I, I'll say it this way. That God will cause the things that should not give you what you need be the thing that produces exactly what you need. So could it be that person you can't stand God's going to use them to provide exactly what you need. Could it be that there's, you want to step out into something and you don't see the, the, this is why you can't dismiss people. 
This is why you can't dismiss relationships. This is why you can't just think, you know, so high and mighty about yourself. Could, could it be the people that you've been chasing don't have the answer to the solution that you need, but it's the ones that you've been ignoring and dismissing because they don't look the part, they don't dress the part, they don't sound the part, but they have exactly what you need, and those are the people that God wants to use to provide the missing piece of what you need. So understand, God will cause things that should not give you what you need to be the very thing that you need. So we got to find comfort in the uncomforting reality of faith. And so that first observation is faith does not mean comfort. Here's the next observation. Faith is not feeling. Because oftentimes we will determine how we respond to the calling of God based on how we feel. That we equate faith to feelings. And we'll base decisions off of how we feel. But because, because we've determined our feeling to be faith. Now, feeling isn't bad. I think there's a, there's a part of feeling is a way that we hear the voice of God. But we have to be careful that what we feel in terms of, well, I, don't, I don't know. Here's an example. That alarm goes off at 4 a.m. for me to get up and go to the gym. And I'm like, oh, I don't feel like it. But every time I say no to my feelings, and I get up and I go to the gym, I realized it was the very thing that I needed. Now, if I would have responded to my feelings, because those feelings were me. Those feelings were not an unction from God. It was not the moving of his spirit. So that's the feeling that we ignore, the feeling that says, mm, that looks hard. That looks like discomfort. Not going to do it. So faith is not equal to those kind of feelings. Are you tracking with me this morning? Because we can't cheapen faith down to a feeling because the reality is your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings don't tell the truth at all. Your feelings are liars. <laughs> Your feelings will have you thinking one thing when you should be thinking another thing. So here's the point. Trust God, not your feelings. Look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. It doesn't say trust in your feelings, trust how you feel. It says, no, trust in the Lord. It doesn't say lean on your feelings. It says lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him. And he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you and direct you where you need to go. So we can't follow our feelings because our feelings can be like the sand on the beach. They're shifting. They'll have us here and everywhere, but not in the place that we need to be. So as we close this morning, we need to understand that we walk by faith not by feelings. And his final observation as we land this plane today is this. Faith is desperate. Faith is desperate. There's a part of faith that says, listen, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am desperate. And I think a great story that illustrates that is found in Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48, where it tells the story of this woman who had uh, this issue of bleeding. She had been bleeding for 12 years and she had gone from doctor to doctor, from place to place and really spent all of what she had trying to find healing, trying to be cured. But none of those places could supply what she needed. And so here she is. This is how I see it. That she's back where she lives and she's like just at the end of herself feeling hopeless, 
feeling lost, feeling isolated, feeling alone. Not just because of her condition, but because of her condition, she would have been isolated. She would have been alone. Because in that culture, to deal with her issue, bleeding, she would have been deemed ceremonially unclean. So no one would have wanted to associate with her for the risk of being labeled the same thing. So here she is alone in her pain, alone in her suffering, not a good place to be. Spent all she had. But then Jesus is around. And you know when Jesus moved, it wasn't just him. He couldn't travel alone because there were the signs and the wonders and the miracles and all those things. So the story of Jesus, the news of Jesus got around. Well, first of all, he traveled with D12 anyway. So, I mean, he had 12 people already with him. But then he had everyone else around with him in the moment. And so people are crowding around. And she gets this idea. Maybe there's no way I could deal. I'm tired of dealing with this. This this has been too much. So she steps out and she decides I'm going to press towards Jesus. Now this is not just, hey, Jesus. (laughs) It wasn't going to go that way. Not at all. There's the crowd. Then there's the fact that people know stay away from her so she's like well I'm I'm gonna have to do this differently so I see it where she's down on the ground elbows and knees crawling now these are not paved these are not sidewalks these are not roads there's no pavement this is the dust of the ground the Jesus sandals and all all that she had to face I don't know, getting scratched on her elbows, bruises on her knees. But she's saying, I I can't do this anymore. I've been dealing with this too long. And I feel like she is getting closer. And she hears Jesus and the conversation he's having, the teaching that he's teaching. But at the same time, she feels the momentum of the crowd almost pushing her back and so in her mind she's like if it's gonna be any time it's gonna be this moment right now and so everything that's in her she extends her hand with all that she has the reach that she has and she can't she she couldn't get him but she got him she got she got the hem of his garment and from that just the touching and the connecting with the hem of his garment it caused Jesus to stop in the middle of what he's doing and he asked the question, who touched me? Again, again, Peter, remember, he says, what do you mean, who, who touched you? Look around. This whole crowd, I'm sure lots of people have touched you. But Jesus says, no, no, this, this was different. I felt virtue flow out of me. I connected with faith. This was different. It was the faith of this woman that pressed through the crowd, that said enough is enough, that I'm tired of dealing with this. I'm tired of walking through this. And if it means people shouting at me, if it means getting on the ground, dust kicked up in my face, feet in my face, all these different things, I've got to get 
to Jesus. And this is what he says to her. And she's afraid. She's trembling. But immediately she was healed. And he says to her, go. You are healed. I love what it says. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. We only know this woman as the woman with the issue of blood, the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. But in this moment where she had been defined by her struggle and issue, God brought true definition to her life and called her daughter. Here's what I want you to catch this morning. Stop wearing the label of what you've been through. Stop wearing the label of your past. You are not your struggle. You are not your sin. You are not your desire. That when you connect with the person of Jesus and who he is, who you used to be is gone, and you become a new person in Jesus. So you are now son. You are now daughter. So stop wearing the label of the world. Because the world does not have the ability to define who you are. That our God who created you, he created you in his image and in his likeness, and you are son and daughter. But before we move from this story, here's the question that I want to ask us. Is there anyone in this room who's just tired and desperate? Can I tell you, do whatever you got to do to get to Jesus. And here's the amazing thing. He's not trying to escape you because scripture says, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. But it's going to take some desperation. It's going to take you ignoring the optics. It's going to take you maybe even stepping out against the family tradition, against what everybody in your family says. You may be the only one who are doing what you're going to do, but listen, God has called you to be a pioneer. He's called you to be a trailblazer. You don't need to keep walking in that same direction. Nothing is over there. He is over here. And if you want to be like Peter and step outside the boat, trust the calling of God. Trust his voice. He's not going to lead you into anything that's going to destroy you. But along the way and along the journey, he's going to equip you with exactly what you need. Don't allow the fear of the unknown to stop you from responding to the voice of God. You say you hyped up about this. Yes, I am. Because we're supposed to be people of faith. We, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But do not practice what I say. Do not put into practice what I say. So it's time for us to practice faith. It's time for us to say, who cares what anyone thinks? I'm responding in faith and trusting God. That's how we see the miraculous. That's how we see things change. And God's going to give you exactly what you need. And I'm not talking, you know, you go sometimes in a college setting. I remember one time I had a professor. We were talking about something. And someone asked the question, okay, but how does that actually work? And he says, I don't know. I just talk theory about this thing. I never actually put it into practice. So I'm not standing here and just theorizing. But I'm telling you what I've, I've lived out. And as I tell you this, I'm not trying to make it about me. 
But I'm telling you just how I've seen God respond to us saying, okay, we don't know, but, but we'll trust you. That we stepped out from comfort and security. And the security I'm talking about is, is, is spelled M-O-N-E-Y. That's the one thing God will do anything. Oh, you're going to hurt my money though? Oh, man. <laughs> Can I just be real? Yeah. But we said, we walked away. And people said, well, why would you do that? That makes no sense. And I said, I know. It doesn't. But it doesn't have to make sense. To mean it's God. Can I tell you? If it don't make sense, it probably is God. <laughs> they thought I would disagree with them. I'm like, no, I agree. It don't make sense. I'm with you, dog. Yeah, 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 100%. Don't make sense. But I know it's God. And we responded. And we said yes. And we saw God allow us to be a part of great things. And then again, he says, hey, Michael, Katie. I said, bro, can I chill? I've done enough of that. I'm good. I'm in a good spot right now. I just want to be. He says, No. I want you to leave what you know, and I want you to leave the place that I'm sending you. And I looked at the place that he was sending us. I said, nope, that ain't it. That ain't it. That's why I love my wife, because she's such a person of faith. She's like, no, that's it. But I caught up later. I was like, you're right. It's it. And then we went there, and and God allowed us to be a part of establishing something that is just exploding right now. And it was hard because we went down there with an expectation and it was different. And that was that discomfort. But we knew it was God. And then he says, hey, me again. I'm like, now I'm like, come on now. There, there are other people that you can go and do this with. You don't have, you don't have to keep doing this with us. And so without knowing what was on the other side, God said, come back to here. And we said, why? When we left here, we were like, yo, we will never live here. Katie, I said it several times. We'd visit family, Thanksgiving and stuff. I was like, hey, it's nice, cool, we'll visit. We'll never live here again. And God says, come back. But we didn't know why. So in a pandemic, I quit my job. Katie wasn't working. <laughs> I'm 30-something with three kids. (laughs) Don't make sense, right? And with the Penske truck, we hit 65. And then everybody's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know. So why'd you leave? Why'd you leave? Still don't know. But God told us to. And we did that at the risk of relationship. Because there were people who we felt like, Man, we're letting them down. But we couldn't shake what was, we knew it was God. And we couldn't shake that. And so then we go on a journey of prayer for a number of weeks, three weeks. And God says, the reason, not only why I moved you back, but the reason why I took you from here was to bring you back to be a part of starting a church in this community. Katie heard it. I said, nope. That ain't it either. So it took me a little bit longer. And again, as always, I caught up. 
And then in March of 21, we shared a video sitting at a local furnish company, furniture company, there it is, recording this video and we released it out on uh, social media. And actually this family right here, <laughs> it just hit me, um, were the first people uh, to respond to that email. And me and Katie were tripping out because somebody was like, hey, tell us more about your church. You mean me, Katie, and our three kids? <laughs> That's it. And we met and we had coffee. And, uh, and, and the rest, rest happened in his history. And then in February of um, 22, like God has taken us all the way through this journey. In February 22, the, the church launched. And what is it, 14 months or something now? And, and then I look out and I, I see faces that I saw when I closed my eyes. But I didn't know any of these faces. But the only way that began, I didn't, I didn't have any details. I didn't have any knowledge. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how this was like, okay, cool. We, we partnered. We didn't do this alone. We partnered with organizations and people who have done this to receive training and, and covering and oversight and all that. But they weren't going to be here <laughs> to do all of that. But now I'm having a chance to stand in something that didn't exist, but it only happened because of a response to faith. Again, this is not about me, and if you feel that way, I'm sorry. But it was to get you, not for the story, but just because you you would feel that way because that's not the intent. But here's what I want you to get from all of that. What would happen today if you were responded with a yes to the calling of God what would a year look like what would six months look like what would the next two weeks look like because you responded to yes and now God has given us this amazing opportunity to connect to connect with amazing people beautiful people and have a church family and be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves all because willing to respond and say, Lord, I don't know the details, but I'm going to trust you in the process. Would you pray with me this morning?